0: Supper is over. The bread and wine have been consumed. The disciples' feet are still clean from being washed. Judas has departed to work his evil. And you remember from a couple of weeks ago, in a different part of this text, how John narrates, And it was night. You remember... That for John, day and night, light and dark, are always about more than simply the time of day. Night is that time when everything you thought was true and real seems up for grabs. Night is that moment when courage wants to flee from your heart. Night is when we are tempted to scatter, each to our own homes, to cover our heads, to look out for ourselves. Night is when all of those promises of love seem untrustworthy. Night is when Judas betrays. Night is when disciples sleep while Jesus' sweat drops like drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. Night is when Peter denies. Night is when the disciples, all of them, flee. And Jesus is alone. And it was night, John says. But a voice pierces that darkness. You remember from a few weeks ago, let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. He tells them he's going away, you remember, and that where he is going they cannot come, but that they know the way to the place where he is going. You remember how Thomas protested, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. You remember in that same conversation, Philip saying, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And how Jesus responded, how can you say, show us the Father? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. But still they do not understand. It's hard, really, to comprehend much in the night. Jesus begins speaking, then, in chapter 14. And he speaks, and he speaks, through chapters 15 and 16. For three chapters, he simply talks. And every word he says to them is intended to help them go out into this night. To understand that even though it is dark, they need not be afraid. It's here where Jesus says, I am the vine, the true vine, and God is the vine grower, and you are the branches. You are connected to me and I to God. They are bound to him. He is bound to to God. And then chapter 16 comes to a close and Jesus seems to take a long breath and he's looking at his disciples and it must be quite clear that they still don't get it. He says the strange thing just before our text this morning. He says, "I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming and I will no longer speak to you in figures, but will tell you plainly of the Father. And then, to prove that they truly do not yet get it, the disciples say, No, no, we finally got it. We understand everything. And Jesus says, Do you now believe? The hour is coming. Indeed, it has now come when you will be scattered. In her book, Rising Strong, Brene Brown describes what she calls the arena. The arena is that place where we are doing something, doing something that makes us emotionally or physically or spiritually vulnerable. It's the place where we can fall, where we can fail. And she writes at the very beginning of her book, I want to be in the arena. I do not want to be a spectator. I want to be brave with my life. I want to dare greatly. But when we are in the arena, there will come a point when we will find ourselves, as she says, face down in the arena. It will be, in other words, night, And everything in us will want to remain face down, she says, to hide, to wait for the crowd to leave us alone. And one of the lessons for us in that place is that we cannot do this alone. We were never meant to live isolated lives. It is at night. When the disciples are all face down in that arena, confused and frightened and feeling alone, that Jesus offers them a wondrous gift. He prays for them. Earlier in the service, after we confessed our sins together on behalf of the world and in the moments of silence we had we confessed our own sentence to God directly perhaps describing ways that we too have been faced down in the arena we heard these words who is in a position to condemn only Christ and Christ died for us Christ rose for us Christ reigns in power for us Christ prays for us. If we fully understood the power of those four words, Christ prays for us, if we trusted them to be true, would it not cause us to live differently, less afraid, bolder, more joyfully, There's really only one gospel message in John's gospel. One theme that he returns to again and again. Jesus reveals God to us. Jesus is the face of God. This is the gospel. And to believe it, to trust it, John says, is to experience eternal life here and now. And this is eternal life, Jesus says, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The word know means so much more than know about or have some information about The word know means to be in relationship. Eternal life is to be in relationship with God whom we see revealed in Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. And so when we see Jesus bend to wash his disciples' feet, and we respond by washing one another's feet, we are experiencing eternal life. When we hear Jesus say to the woman, that was caught in adultery to the men surrounding that woman ready to stone her for adultery. when he says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And we respond by becoming a more forgiving people. We are experiencing eternal life. When we see Jesus standing alone with that Samaritan woman at the well speaking words of life to one who was outcast and estranged, and we respond by becoming reconcilers, reaching out to those who have no voice, we are experiencing eternal life. And when we see Jesus take up his cross and we respond by taking up our own, following him into the arena of the world, with a message of love and peace and sacrifice that flows from the cross, from the very heart of God, we are experiencing eternal life. This is what Jesus is praying for when he prays for us. Not that we will simply go to heaven when we die, but that we will experience the glory of God, the eternal life of the Son in the here and now, And in so doing, we become a blessing to this world that God loves and for which Christ died. Jesus prays for us. Everything in his prayer, then and now, shows that God is the initiator of it all. Jesus asks God to protect, to guide, to uphold. To reveal, In the end, we are not able, by our own power, to trust, to follow, to be the body we are called to be. It is only by God's grace that we stand at all. But stand we do, because Christ prays for us. Just last week, as you know, Another group of Coptic Christians in Egypt were killed by, we believe, the Islamic State. When they were taken off of that bus on their way to worship and made to stand outside with guns drawn, they were asked to abandon their faith in Christ, to relinquish their trust in him in the presence of great fear. And according to numerous reports, they refused. And as a result, they gave up their lives. And they are connected, those martyrs by faith, with the victims of the Charleston, South Carolina murders whose family stood in that courtroom only days after their loved ones were massacred and spoke words of forgiveness to the killer. And they were connected by faith with that Amish community many years ago who responded to a man who killed a church full of children by not only forgiving him, but including his family, When they were raising money for the victims. And they were connected by faith with the people of South Africa, who, as a nation, decided after apartheid ended, which separated blacks and whites in that country, not to respond with revenge against their fellow citizens, but embarked on a long process called truth and reconciliation. Led by Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who said in those days, without forgiveness, there is no future. They were connected by faith with us. Anytime we have responded to division with reconciliation, anytime we have practiced forgiveness, Anytime, lying face down in the arena, we have chosen love over hate. We are connected by faith. And this is what eternal life looks like in the here and now. This is what Jesus prayed for and prays for. Jesus prays for us. You get in the arena, you make yourself vulnerable because you know deep down that you are held, protected, valued. Jesus prays for you. Listen to what he says about you and me. All mine are yours and yours are mine. And I have been glorified in them Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given to me so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus prays that we be bound as closely in relationship to one another as he is bound to God. That the reality of the oneness of God would be our reality that we would live in the protection and strength of that unity. You know, as a pastor, I get asked a lot about the survival of the church. Do you think the church is going to make it? Do you think the church will survive the 21st century? And I admit, as a pastor, I can get fixated on that question. I can get drawn to all manner of program and quick fix promises that if you'll just do A, B, and C, your church will survive into the 21st century. But in my better moments, my clearer moments, I realize that the question of the church's survival is such a small question. Given the immensity of our God, It is such a small question, really, given the fact that Jesus prays for us. In my better moments, my answer to that question is, I care less whether we live or whether we die than that we live, truly live, while we are alive. Not only as individuals, but as a church. That we will live while we are alive. To me, that means getting into the arena. That means going outside of these walls to engage with the world in all of its messiness and need and complexity. That means risking the vulnerability of love and connection here and now. Eternal life is what I'm interested in the church experiencing. Here. Here. Christ prays for us. We need not be afraid. We need not be divided. We are one. Archbishop Tutu also said, God's dream is that you and I and all of us will realize that we are family. That we are made for togetherness, for goodness, and for compassion. And another great theologian, Bono, sings, we're one, but we're not the same. We get to carry each other. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Let us together get into the arena of the mission of God. Let us lay hold of life, eternal life. We can, because Christ prays for us. Amen.